What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? It's Vic Lopez from the All Things Basketball Podcast. This is episode five. So got some games under our belt. Summer League, of course. The games that don't matter until they do, depending on the argument or what side of the argument you're on. Uh, I'm hyped about this episode because we finally have a tiny, tiny sample size from some of the people we've been wanting to see. Uh, Going to be talking about uh, games one and two for Chet Holmgren. Also some Kenny Lofton introduction. Uh, a little a little piece on Kenny Lofton for people that don't know him. I'm also going to be talking about the head-to-head anticipated summer league matchup between Jabari Smith Jr. and uh, Paolo Bancaro. Before talking about those, I want to mention that I now have the email up for your questions so we can do a little mailbag uh, type of engagement with the, whoever's listening to the pod. The email is atbpodmail at gmail.com. Once again, atbpodmail at gmail.com. I'll have, a, I'll have it typed up in the show notes as well. Um, but yeah, send me any questions you have regarding you know what you're wondering about your team. No question is a dumb question. Um, I'll do the research on whatever it is you're wondering that I may not know at the time. Um, and also, Hey, you know, you send me a question and you can also throw in a plug for anything that you're working on. Um, you know, if you want to do a shout out or something like that, 100%, uh, if you want to give me some info on whatever it is you guys are doing as a hobby or whatever you're working on, you can throw that in the email and I'll shout you guys out and yeah, let's get to the intro and we'll come right back for the episode. Let's go to Chet Holmgren's first game, right? Debut, uh, Utah Jazz versus Oklahoma City Thunder. The first knock on it is obviously the competition, right? Um, that's the first knock on it. You're playing against, you know, Xavier Sneed, Vic Law, James Palmer Jr., um, you know, Taco Fall. Just, you know, guys that aren't really hanging on, guys that are young, not really proven, still have things to do in their careers. Um, But then you have a guy like Kofi Cockburn. Now, why am I bringing up Kofi Cockburn? Well, if you weren't watching college basketball, um, I'm here to give you a good reason why I'm bringing him up. So, three-year college player, just got drafted, okay? He eventually became 20 points per game, 10 rebounds. Okay. Now let me read you some of the uh just kind of his his the description that they have for Kofi Cockburn. This is a description straight from nba.com and it's titled Prospect Overview. Massive center who had a stellar season at the collegiate level 
imposing his will on the interior and cleaning the glass. Kofi Cockburn is one of the most physically imposing players in the sport, standing seven feet tall. Now let's read you the weight here, right? Height, weight. So seven feet, 293 pounds, junior out of Illinois, right? Now, I, I want to hear that side of the argument for some people. They're saying, oh, you know, dominant centers, uh, bigs, just strong physical guys are going to give Chet all he can handle. Not the case. Not the case on, on Chet's debut. Now, obviously, it's, it's one game. It's a summer league game. That's always going to be the argument. In this in this talk, right about Chet Holmgren, it's going to be oh, it's summer league. We can't overreact. Um, you know, he's he is the the number one slash number two lock in the draft and things of that nature. So he has you know high expectations. So people expect him to dominate. Um, but either way, you know, it's always going to be the case against Chet. And I'm going to get into it with Chet's game too. But let's read you Chet's numbers in game one. Okay, I'm sure you've seen them already. You know, Chet's getting a lot of love after that first game. Um, it kind of slowed down the second game. But in this first game, so 23 minutes, we'll say 24 minutes because it says 23 minutes, 53 seconds. So whatever, 24 minutes in the game. He went seven for nine from the field, four for six from three, knocked down all five of his free throws. He had uh, seven rebounds total, four assists, one steal. And the major part of that night for him was the record he set in blocks. He had six blocks. He was a plus 26, right? The highest on the team and the highest on the court in terms of plus minus. Okay, now, obviously, it's a great game. Okay, Um, I don't care that it's summer league. I don't care that the competition isn't great. I don't care uh, because after after game one, okay, I, I already knew. Wait for Chet to have a bad game and watch everyone come after him on social media. Um, everywhere you can find, wherever you get your content, people are waiting, right? After that first game with Chet, I go to the comments, you know, kind of see what, what people are, are saying about it. Of course, it's what I expected. It's summer league. Games don't matter. The competition isn't good. Um, he's going to be humbled once he gets to the NBA. Now, I want to say this to those people that say these things. Yes, he's going to be humbled when he gets to the NBA. They're the best players in the world in that league. Of course, he's going to get humbled. Everyone gets humbled at, at some point in their careers. Except for a select few who are all-time greats. Kobe was humbled in the NBA. Now, he had a great career. I'm not comparing Chet to Kobe, but I'm just I'm just giving you the other side of the argument because people are always going to say this about Chet. Oh, wait till he gets bullied. Wait till he goes against Joel Embiid, Jokic, um, you know, the bigs, the skilled bigs. And it's funny. They always give the same four to five names. Giannis, Jokic, Embiid, and whoever else you want to throw in there that's a big. And it's like, okay, that's four to five guys. And yeah, they'll probably dominate him. But he's going to dominate on the other end. People forget there's two sides to the court. Like, 
yes, he's going to be dominated by Embiid, Giannis, Jokic, and whoever else you want to add in there as a skilled dominant big. But he's going to also get his on the other end. So it's not like it's not like there's only one side of the court here. How many all of a sudden the only thing that matters about Chet is how much he's going to struggle physically on defense. There are players in the NBA getting max contracts that don't play defense, period. So why is that all of a sudden uh, a checkout for people when it comes to Chet? Yes, he's thin. Yes, he has a small frame. Yes, he's not going to be the strongest guy on the court. But he's going to be one of the most skilled out there. He's going to knock down. You're not going to take Chet out of the game completely just because you're dominating him on your offensive end. Just because you're scoring on Chet doesn't mean that Chet's not going to impact winning. Okay, you act like like the NBA is all post up, all post up possessions. It's not. It's not. It's a lot of running back and forth and shooting threes and and ISO and perimeter offense. It's not going to be post up basketball. Okay, if this was ten to fifteen years ago, and Chet's coming into the league, I don't have him so highly projected because the games are more physical. The game is still a little physical, but. But Chet's coming in at a perfect time for his style of basketball, for his body. This is a perfect time for him to come to the NBA. I am here to defend skill. I'm here to defend skill. This kid just set a record for blocks in his first game. Yes, the competition wasn't good, but he set the record for blocks. And you could tell in that game, in that first game, guys that don't normally attack as much as they do, they were specifically targeting Chet over and over and over again. It was like they saw Chet out there and it's like they never saw him play in college or high school at Minnehaha or uh, during the the FIBA, the U19 uh, basketball competition. It's like they didn't even know who he was defensively um, and how elite he is at blocking shots because they kept taking turns trying to go at Chet and time and time again, Chet gets a block, Chet alters a shot, Chet uh, makes it difficult on switches and again and again and that's how he got that record setting six blocks that night because people uncharacteristically and even in college, there were, there were teams that didn't focus on attacking the basket. And just because they were playing against Gonzaga, they were going at Chet. And it didn't work out for them. So it's funny to see people in the comments talking about, oh, he's going to get attacked in the post. A lot of people do that uncharacteristically. People that don't even play in the post are trying to get in the post to challenge Chet. And Chet is here to tell you, if you're not an elite attacker, you're not going to score on Chet. If you're not an elite uh, driver to the rim, you're going to have trouble because he uses his length. He uses his angles. He uses his just his his IQ. He, he's a smart guy. You, you've heard me break down the intelligence on episode one when I was breaking down the top three prospects. Um, and it, it just goes to show that he's playing right into the minds of these guys when he's on defense because these guys are literally going out of their way to attack Chet to to the point where you're thinking, okay, this guy is clearly just trying to see what Chet's about. And they clearly think that he's some weak kid. That's not going to, that's just going to back down on a possession, not the case. And you saw that he embarrassed those people attacking him 
Okay. Now I want to get into game two for Chet Holmgren. Okay. This was obviously the slower game. It wasn't the best game. He didn't shoot well, but look, I mean, look at the numbers. He still got two blocks. He still got 11 points, 11 rebounds. So we're talking about a bad game. First time he plays a back-to-back, by the way. This is his first NBA, quote-unquote, NBA back-to-back. And it's in altitude. People forget about the location of these games right now. The altitude is also a factor that Chet's not used to. And you factor in that with a back-to-back, and he has to play against a physical uh, ex-teammate of his, which was Kenny Lofton Jr., who people are slandering uh, Chet after game two because the the social media accounts are out here like Bleacher Report and House of Highlights. And I love those pages. I wouldn't follow them if I didn't like them. But immediately, Kenny Lofton gets a couple of post-up plays on Chet. A couple. We're not talking about this was the entire game. He gets a couple of post-up possessions where he scores on Chet. And immediately, you get the Bleacher Report alerts. You get the House of Highlights posts. Oh, Kenny Lofton bullying Chet. Bullying Chet. And I'm just like, are these accounts watching the games? Or are these accounts just posting this for likes and comments? Because we're either not watching the same game, or they're just clickbaiting people. They're doing it for views. They're doing it for likes. He wasn't bullying Chet. Okay, did he get the best of Chet on a couple of possessions? Yes, he had a great game. Kenny Lofton, I'm here to tell you, people are acting like Kenny Lofton is some Joe Schmo who's just a strong player that took advantage of Chet. No, 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 no. He was undrafted, but (laughs) if you did not watch him at FIBA, the U19 basketball team, which that's where he was a teammate of Chet Holmgren's and Jaden Ivey, um, then you don't know what you're talking about. If you think this guy is some random bust that had a big game because Chet's weak or whatever you want to believe. No, no, no. Kenny Lofton Jr. is a skilled, undersized forward type of player that that the comment, the announcers that don't really know what they're talking about sometimes, they're comparing him to Charles Barkley. And I'm just like, what a lazy comparison to compare him to Charles Barkley because he's a little overweight and he's undersized and he plays strong. Charles Barkley was not just some undersized, overweight, strong player. Charles Barkley had great handle. He had, uh, he, he pushed the ball. He took it up. That's not Kenny Lofton's game. Kenny Lofton is a glue guy. Okay. If you want to kind of compare his game I would say that he's an undersized Zach Randolph. Um, and that's not disrespect. Zach Randolph was a bucket. And Kenny Lofton isn't a bucket yet, but he is very skilled. He has good footwork and he has good post moves. He can be a successful undersized glue guy that just does the dirty work. That's what he did on that U19 roster. He was doing the dirty work, and I'm going to sit here and argue that Kenny Lofton was probably the most important player on that U19 roster. And that's saying a lot because that team had Jaden Ivey. That team had Chet Holmgren. Okay, that team had uh, Johnny Davis as well. It had a bunch of other kids on that team. Very talented roster that beat uh, France in that final, the championship game. 
but Kenny Lofton, make no mistake, if you're watching those full games, he was doing all the little things. He would get a rebound. He'd get those tip-ins. He would bully the international bigs. He is a skilled player that was undrafted because of the question marks about the weight, about the shot, about the conditioning. But make no mistake, okay? That was a little rant about Kenny Lofton because personally, I like him. And I think a lot of basketball geeks would agree that Kenny Lofton's actually a solid, solid steal that went undrafted. Um, and so, you know, he had a big game. I was on the lookout for Kenny Lofton when I saw that he was going to be playing against Chet and I was really happy. I, I was hyped because they really went at it. They were guarding each other on a lot of possessions. Now I'm going to be honest. Yes. Kenny Lofton had the better game. Um, Chet's coming off of a big debut where he's all over social media. He's taking pictures, you know, everyone's hyping him up because it was a big, big game. Um, and Kenny Lofton's coming into this game as the underdog. Uh, you know, I played on USA too. Um, you know, but I went undrafted and I'm going to go right at my, my ex teammate. I think it was a lot of that. And also Kenny Lofton just being a good player. Um, and yes, he got the, he got the best of him. He had the better game, but guess what? OKC won. They won the game. That's what matters at the end of the day. And Chet contributed to winning in that sense. Okay. Um, now you want to, you want to credit that to, to, to Poku or, or, or obviously the star of OKC in summer league right now, which is Josh Giddy. Um, yes, you know, OKC is the more stacked team in that summer league, but whatever the win is the win. Um, and I think both players played well. I think Chet had a good, bad game. And I think Kenny Lofton had a really good game. Um, but it wasn't by any means a bully session of Chet Holmgren. Just watch the game. He, he, he had moments, but he didn't bully him. Okay. And then, and then house of highlights and, and bleacher report and all these other pages, they start posting the Kenny Lofton buzzer beater, like prayer, uh, throw th the throw just that just that launched three at the final seconds um yeah it was a prayer shot and people are, and people post that and then they clip it with the Kenny Lofton post-up possessions on Chet and if you're not watching the game and you're just in these comment sections just watching the highlights as they come out instead of actually watching the game yeah it's gonna look like Kenny Lofton dominated Chet and it's gonna look like Chet is a bust when you're looking at those plays. Um, but, you know, that's my rant, man. I wasn't happy about the pages doing that because it feeds into the the Chet haters and the Chet non-believers. For those that are the non-believers, okay, perfectly understandable. There's always going to be doubt when talking about talent. Now, I want to give you this stat that you can hold on to. And I'll walk away with this feeling really nicely. Um, Chet Holmgren, really bad game for him, uh, in terms of shooting. Okay. Uh, three for 11 from the field. Awful, right? One for six from three. I believe one of them was an air ball. Uh, he just looked gassed out there. I'm not making excuses for Chet. Okay. But he did look, it, he did look gassed. Okay. It was, like I said, it was his first back to back in NBA, uh, in an NBA quote unquote setting. Um, but he had 11 points, 12 rebounds, three assists, two blocks. He only fouled twice and he had the second highest plus minus on the team. If you're shooting three for 11 from the field 
one for six from three, and supposedly you got bullied, and you're a plus 20, I'm the Chet protector. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to stick my neck out for Chet because I see the skill. So that's how I felt. Obviously, Chet Holmgren didn't play game three. Um, I hope they're not sitting him for the rest of Summer League selfishly because I want to watch him play more. Um, but if they do rest him, I understand. They have to protect the player. Um, it does happen. You know, they don't want to give them too many minutes. And a lot of teams go in that direction. Um, but yeah, I want to get into the Jabari Smith Jr. and Paolo Bancaro matchup, which I want to start off by saying a little underwhelming. It wasn't, it wasn't what people expected to see, in my opinion. Um, and I think the game was overhyped after the game ended. I feel like there was a lot of talk about that game and it just wasn't as impressive to me. And I say that respectfully because, you know, number one overall pick and number three overall pick, these are two guys that the entire country was running to go watch, right? On TV, in person, um, you know, get ESPN ready to watch this matchup. And, you know, we get a game where I I am, I'm not going to overreact because again, it's just summer league, but I want to warn you guys about one of my favorite guys in college, which was Jabari Smith. He was one of my favorites, but I had I had a, a problem with what I saw at Auburn. And that problem was I, I blamed a lot of that on the guards that were ball hogs on his team, as well as the coach. Just letting just rolling the balls out and just letting them play uh, shot chucking isolation basketball. And I told you guys on episode one um, that if you draft Jabari, you're likely drafting. And I'm, I'm quoting myself here. Uh, you're likely drafting a star specialist. And what I meant by that was someone that's going to kind of just specialize in a, in a specific skill. And his specific skill is highlighted. And that's shooting. He was one of the best shooters in the country. Um, and a big knock on him was the mid-range. The mid-range percentages were awful. I don't have them in front of me right now, but they were terrible. Okay, I'm talking like bottom of the country in rankings at his position. Okay, when it comes to the two-point percentage, field goal percentage. Now, he was a bystander star at Auburn, right? Catch and shoot, waiting until it was his turn, maybe some attacks to the basket, um, but not a person that demands the ball. Remember, that's what I was saying on episode one. He has like complimentary star potential because he's not an alpha out there. He hasn't been. And in the debut for him, he wasn't. And he played the most minutes on that team. He played 31 minutes in that first game. The second most minutes I'm looking at right here, uh, it looks like uh, Ty Ty Washington had the second most minutes. Uh yeah, he had them at 27 minutes. So he played the most out of the entire team. Um, he went 4 for 10 from the field. 40%. Not good. Um, 1 for 4 from 3. It's obviously just his first game. Uh, 1 for 2 from the free throw line. You could tell maybe he was just a little nervous. You know, it's the first game. 
I, I'm a strong believer in the first game being uh, flip-floppy. It's a very 50-50 game for a lot of prospects. It's like you're either going to get a game where they're super hyped and they, and they ball out, um, and then they kind of slow down later on, or they have a really bad first game, and then they pop off later. So that's what I'm hoping from Jabari, because this, was, this wasn't good, man. One for four from the three-point line, 25% from three. Um, you know, 50% from the free throw line, like I said, one for two. He did have seven rebounds. I'm looking at the stats specifically, three assists, a steal. Um, had five fouls. He was in foul trouble really early that game. I do remember that. Um, he had the second lowest plus minus at minus 17. Um, it was just a bad game for these Rockets, um, except for Josh Christopher, which is something that you'll expect because obviously he's already played NBA games. I'm actually, I like Josh Christopher. I'm watching him closely. Uh, he had a good game, but players that are already in the NBA in an established rotation, you have to dominate these summer league games. In my opinion, you, you have to stand out in these games. Um, you're the vet on this roster. You, you know, you gotta, you gotta show what you're about. Okay. Now, uh, back to the Jabari thing on this, in this game, it was literally Auburn part two, but a light version because there's more ball sharing. He got, he got a lot of attempts here, but what I mean by this is not the ball hogging scenario. I'm talking about the standing around waiting for him to get the ball, just waiting for, for someone to see him, waiting for catch-and-shoot opportunities, not really forcing some things. I like to see players not overly force possessions, but, you know, test the waters, dip your feet in, like, see what the defender is about, test their strength, test their speed, go at them. You know, I'm not saying hog the ball and make bad decisions and make something out of nothing, but I do want to see the aggression, um, you know, I didn't see that. He was really a bystander in this game, just waiting to get the ball. And this is a guy that top three pick, right? Uh, number one projection before the draft went on. One of the best players in the country. People people in his corner saying he's the best player in the country. And so you get this. And it's exactly what my concern was with Jabari. Um, is that. Just the bystander mentality, the... The non-alpha mentality, the, the okay, cool, I'm just going to stand around here and wait and see if I get the ball. If I get it, I'm going to shoot it. If I get it and, you know, I don't really like what's going on, I'm just going to give it up. It was really bystanderish, and I didn't like that about it. Um, I do want to get into Paolo's debut. Underwhelming, in my opinion, but I will say this. Two for three from the three-point line, which is something that I'm always going to be watching, his shooting. Okay, now... 5 for 12 from the field, that's 41%. Not good. Um, but he knocked down all five of his free throws. Um, I thought that some of the shots he made were a little lucky. The way they were landing, uh, the way they were falling. It, it didn't look natural when he was pulling those shots up. Um, but, you know, some of those went in. And, uh, you know, four rebounds, six assists. I'm reading the stat sheet. Uh, one steal. He did have six fouls. Uh, I think he had like two fouls. In the first, two fouls in the second, split a couple in the third and fourth. He had 17 points and he was a plus 20. He was moving the ball. He made good passes. You know, he was aggressive. He really, he really, you know, he he put himself, he established himself in this game early. Um, you know, you could tell he is going for it. Now, 
if you did not tell me that this guy went number uh, number one, I wouldn't know. You know, if you know what I mean. Like, if I didn't know who Paolo was, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have thought much of him after watching that first game. Yes, it's just summer league. You know, I, I agree with that argument, of course, especially when it works out for Chet. <laughs> it's just summer league. It's true. It's a fact. Um, it is just summer league. These games don't matter. Um, you know, so, but they don't matter until they do until, until people want to use it for their arguments. Um, I liked Paolo in this debut beside, um, uh, against, uh, Jabari compared to Jabari. I liked Paolo's debut. Obviously it was much better. Uh, it was more controlled. It was more composed. It was more assertive. Um, it, but it wasn't the Paolo that, that people are, you know, number one pick hype. I didn't get that vibe from him. In this game, and hopefully, you know, he starts to ramp it up. He starts to play a little bit better. Again, these are debut games. Very 50-50. People are nervous. People are hyped. People are playing outside of character because, you know, it's a, it's a big spotlight. And yes, Duke is a massive spotlight. Um, But let's be honest. Not everyone is tuning into college games. Unless it's the, the you know, unless it's the college tournament. That's when people really start tuning in. And I'm talking about, you know, casual fans that don't really watch college basketball. They'll tune in. Some won't even tune in until the Final Four or the Sweet 16. So for people that have that small of a sample size, I'm sure they're thinking, this is this is the number one pick? Like kind of questioning it. But guys, it's Summer League. It's a debut game. Nothing to really get too crazy about there's no need to get overwhelmed or or overreact nothing like that um but yeah that was my impression on these guys i can't wait to see the next games um yeah stay tuned on the next episode that's gonna do it for this one all things basketball podcast as always i'm your host vic lopez see you on the next one